welcome to Igniting the Spark, Talk Film Society's Star Wars podcast. I am your host and Star Wars lover, Callie Smith. I am a contributing writer and podcaster at DFS, and today I'm discussing the second of George Lucas's prequel trilogy, Attack of the Clones, with my special guest and very good friend, Mark Watlington. Mark is also a contributing writer at TFS and a co-host of the Best Pictures podcast, how is it going, Mark? It's going great. I appreciate you calling me a contributing writer of at TFS, um, <laughs> seeing as it's been um, almost a year since I contributed to TFS. It's been a minute. <laughs> um, I, I think you know the last couple of things I've written for them are like my you know best of 2018 piece, and mm-hmm. then before that, probably my best of 2017 piece. Ah, well, um, you know. And I honestly haven't even thought about whether or not I'm going to write a 20, best of 2019 piece. But <laughs> hey, I, I, uh, I'm happy to be included. <laughs> um, understandable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so whenever I was lining all of our guests, my guests up for this series, I, <laughs> I was immediately horrified at the fact that I needed to get somebody to even like touch Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Much less be uh, positive about it. Uh-huh. And like, Y'all at Best Pictures were the first people I reached out to, and you immediately <laughs> said Attack of the Clones, and I was just like, huh, what a plot twist this has taken. Yeah. Like, you, you, why? You, you texted why? us, and, and you said, uh, you know, like, hey, let me know what movies you want to do, and I was like, I mean, I can do any of the original trilogy, you know, those are great, but, like, you know, I am happy to do Attack of the Clones, because... I think I might be the only person in existence who thinks that this is by far the best of the prequel trilogy. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's me. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, a large factor for that is because I, this is my first theater memory. Um, mm. I don't, I, it would be weird if I didn't see Phantom Menace before seeing this. Um, mm. but I don't remember watching Phantom Menace as a kid. Mm. Um, I, or at least in a theater. But I definitely yeah. remember seeing this in theaters. And I think I saw it twice in theaters. Um, so I, I, it, it has a lot of nostalgia for me. I get that. Because like, me and Marcelo actually talked about on our last episode that, yeah, we don't remember seeing Phantom Menace either. But this one I remember because I, I know we saw it relatively locally. And then I remember my dad took us like into D.C. to show it – to let us see it somewhere where they were showing on like 70 millimeter. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Man, so I, I can't have... even imagine watching that battle sequence in 70 millimeter. Yeah. <laughs> really uh, an insult to the, the idea of millimeters and the number yeah. 70. <laughs> Truly. Like, honestly, I remember kind of just like leaving it. I was too <laughs> overwhelmed by it. Um, Cause it's um, a lot. Everything about this movie is a lot. Yes. Um, yeah. And, uh, Depending who you ask, I suppose. Not great. Um, no, I, I mean, I want to be clear. I don't think that this is a perfect movie yeah. um, by any <laughs> means. And uh, some of my th- memories of being in the theater are memories of not liking certain scenes, um, mm-hmm. which, which you know, we can get into. Um, but I think that this has, like, the bones of a really, really good movie that I think that it, it – it, has a lot of things in it that not a lot of Star Wars have in it. Like, for example, a mystery. Um, And it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think 
I think me and Marcelo talked about this, but it's true that like George Lucas is a really good storyteller. Like his framework is amazing. Always. Yeah. You know, his story is always set up. Well, it's just the fact that his dialogue and some of the details that he likes to throw in, in these very CGI, you know, focused, uh, prequels are where things get iffy and become really, really dicey. And, and the dialogue as well. I was talking to one of my coworkers who's not a huge star Wars fan. And he asked me what I thought about rise of Skywalker. And I was like, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not very well written. And he goes, yeah, I mean, but like the prequels weren't well written either. And I had to think, cause I was like, it's, it, the rise of Skywalker is, is poorly written it's in different. a different way yeah. where like, it's just poorly structured. Mm-hmm. Um, not to like step on uh, uh, spoiler Cody Lunsford, my co-host on <laughs> uh, uh, best pictures is um, talking about rise of Skywalker with you. Um, so not to step on his toes, but like just the structure of that movie is messed up. Whereas yeah. the structure of this movie is great it is amazing mm-hmm. um the dialogue of this movie uh ha- is some of some of the worst dialogue in the in the series yeah no it's oh god it's so rough it's really it's a really tough thing i remember one of the things that everybody always of course cites when we talk about the bad dialogue in this movie is like the whole sand yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. monologue uh-huh. um but i i watched it and i was like honestly the sand thing isn't even that bad Compared to, like, a few minutes later, there's a scene where they're both at, like, a fireside, and, like, Anakin's just getting real emotional about everything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's just, like, yelling these, like, words that are just nothing like it's just it it was like so much worse but not in a way that i can quote as well as sand it's, you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, it, it's, the, the the thing with the sand is like if you look at that scene it's like uh padme is like talking about how much she loves naboo and how much she loves her city and planet mm-hmm. and then anakin is clearly like uh i guess i should talk about my background and uh, my home planet it's sandy and i hate it <laughs> And I hate it, and, and it's then, bad. And then they look at each other for a full minute, and then kiss. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't understand <laughs> where that comes from. It's uh, everything in that sequence is really. We're kind of just jumping into yeah. the middle of the movie, yeah. but I feel like this is like the thing. Look, to yeah, talk pe- about people came here to talk about bad. sand. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, also just the whole the whole Padme and Anakin storyline is where you go to to point at why this movie is yeah. not great yeah my um, not to be the the podcaster that quotes his own letterbox reviews um but <laughs> but my letterbox review the most time i most recent time i read this is kind of my summary of my opinions of this which is that the first act is perfect mm-hmm. um the second act is perfect if you ignore the anakin plotline yeah. uh, and then the third act is like perfect on paper but poorly executed um yeah. mostly because of the the cgi action scene is just like kind of hard to watch um, now, hmm, let's let's like start jumping into that analysis because sure, I do yeah. love it. How how do you think the first act is like? Ha- explain thinking okay. that the first act is pretty perfect because like I have down to that it this movie still starts like really exciting. And Absolutely, good. yeah. No, so the first shot of the movie is of the best uh, ships in all of Star Wars, which is the N- Naboo Royal Cruisers. Yeah. Um, those things are awesome. And then one of them explodes, and explosions are cool. Um, <laughs> and then it's like a classic like Padme fake out, and it just starts you off being like, "Oh, this is exciting." Um, mm-hmm. And then it uh, gets into you know some talking about with the Palpatine and Yoda's there, 
Um, it's a CGI Yoda, and you get over that pretty quickly. Um, or you don't, which is understandable. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that the big action set piece of the first act, the the speeder chase through the yeah. through the like streets, I mm-hmm. guess, um, <laughs> through the skies, but not really skies. What do you call yeah. a street when you're in a hover plane or whatever? This anyway, is a great question. <laughs> um, we'll have to figure this out in the next 20 years, I hope. Um, but that action scene and that chase scene is so cool because it combines – like pod racing with mm-hmm. like uh like dog fighting kind of because it has that same like camera effect of you know following things that are flying um also mm-hmm. lightsabers and they're shooting each other and also coruscant is one of the best planets uh in all of star wars and they really like in phantom menace you see some of coruscant but it's like you know just establishing shots and inside of like buildings um, but this one really goes into the streets and the different parts of Coruscant and like yeah. they, they fly through like the factory zone of Coruscant, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get to the streets and the, I, I have, I, another thing I wrote for talk film society is about, you know, some of the parallels between different star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think every star Wars movie has a cantina scene of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the cantina scene of Attack of the Clones is clearly the bar that they go to in Coruscant to, to yeah. chase Zam, uh, Zam, Zan, um, Zam, Zam, uh, and that scene is so cool. Um, mm-hmm. not just because of the Death Sticks guy, um, but <laughs> mostly because of the Death Sticks guy. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I think you mean Elon Sleazebagano. <laughs> yes, yes, Sleazebagano. Um, it's it's just so cool, and the changeling. Um, and the fact that, you know, um, you know, the, he, what is, what does Anakin say? I think, I think he's a she and I think she's a changeling, um, mm-hmm. is, is just such a, I think that's a cool line. It just sounds cool coming out of his mouth. Um, one of the only cool sounding lines that Anakin gets <laughs> to say in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, the second act, you know, it starts to get rough. Um, yeah, but I, I, I I think that's so much of that everything from like Obi-Wan and Anakin talking about, you know, protecting Padme and using her as bait to like the assassin slugs to Bo- uh, Jango Fett shooting a dart into Zam's neck is just so mm-hmm. cool. And I remember being like enraptured by that in the theater. Yeah. I, yeah. And that's about where I jotted down that like, I mean, and yeah, we should hit the fact that that first, the whole first act that's really great is punctuated with like that first like appearance of like Jango Fett and you're yes. going, Oh, cool. That is obviously related to Boba Fett. Awesome. You know, like you're going, I'm yeah. going to get more context. Yes. And it is exciting. And then like the next thing that happens is like Obi-Wan going to Dexter Jetster's diner. Are you about to hate on Dex? Cause Dex no. is the best. No, but I mean, it is where things start. Like, I don't know. It's where like, you know, the Coruscant stuff flying through the air, whatever, all of that being CGI doesn't feel weird because it's in motion and it's like yeah. stuff that you could never do. But then you go to a diner that is entirely CG and it's like, oh boy, nothing in this movie is going to be real. <laughs> and sure. that is yeah. alarming, yeah. you know? But I think that the CG for, I think more than people give it credit for, some of the CG looks good. I think, you mm-hmm. know... Dex clearly doesn't look like a real person in a costume by any means, <laughs> yeah. but he looks cool. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's all CG 
means that the only thing that stands out is Obi-Wan. Um, because it, it all it all meshes with each other mm-hmm. it, as long as there isn't a real person on screen. Yeah. Um, which, unfortunately, Ewan McGregor is a real person. Um, I mean, <laughs> And he's the focal point of every yes, shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just love, you know, at, at that point, you know, from, from that point, and even, like, the chase to some extent is, like, a, a not to use a um, talk film society cliche, but it's noir. Mm-hmm. Um, talk film society just loves to call everything noir. Um, <laughs> but this one, like it, Obi-Wan's plot is, is so noir from like, you know, a chase and like a, a mysterious assassination to like, you know, talking to a, you know, following up with leads and like, yeah. you know, guys that he knows from like, I don't know. I guess he knows Dex from like back in the day somehow. Yeah. Um, it's just so cool, and 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 Dex is like you know super knowledgeable about this stuff, and then he goes and investigates at the at the library. Um, I, I I feel like a lot of people have tweeted recently just randomly about how awesome like awesome detective movies always go to the library. Yeah. Um. And and this movie definitely falls into that category. Um. And the, the Jedi librarian is also just awesome. Um. I don't know. Yeah. I like her a lot. There's a <laughs> in the in the Revenge of the uh, Revenge of the Sith epi- uh, not episode, but uh, video game. Mm-hmm. She like has a scene where she's like an awesome Jedi and has to fight Anakin. Um, and I always oh, that that's Kanan. That, that's Kanan to me. She's a she's a kick ass Jedi librarian. I love that. Um, and as a second grader, I wanted to be a librarian, so um, <laughs> I, I appreciated the representation. I, I love it. I love that. Um, yeah, and I think you're right. This, the, like, whole Detective Obi-Wan thing is, like, the most solid stuff in the movie. Because, like, Kamino is another place where the CGI and everything just works Kamino really well, rules. in my opinion. It's really good, honestly. I love Kamino. Um, like, the shots of everything, like, the shots of all the clones, like, you know, yeah. being grown in various stages and everything. I really like all yeah. of it like it's so much it's, fun it's so cool and like the fact that Camino is like the seattle of star wars where it's just like constantly raining <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it's like a water planet with like cities that are just like on stilts it's so cool mm-hmm. um and i i love the like one of the establishing shots there's like a, a monster that is just like swimming and like jumps out of the rainy ocean and it just looks awesome um am i making that up i feel like that's a thing i think that um, happens Anyway, uh, (laughs) another thing I remember from like, uh, I feel like it was in like the, the visual encyclopedia for this movie, um, was that the, the, the common knowings, like, you know, when he first gets there, he's in that hallway. That's just like pure white, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is a really cool look, but apparently like common knowings see in like ultraviolet. Mm. So like the, the hallway is very colorful in their visual spectrum. Uh, but to us, it's just pure white, which feels very like, um futuristic in its own way yeah um it's kind of reminiscent of like death star hallways um but it's so cool that's really that's like a really cool detail and it's also like kind of a good example of the fact that this one is really rich with like extended universe detail (laughs) and stuff like that and i think that that's a bonus I made a note during this movie that I think this movie might have like the best character designs of mm-hmm. of any of the prequels. Yeah, because it has the common knowns, it has Dex, it has. Um, I mean, w- once we get to Geonosis, I think the Geonosians are some of the coolest aliens you see because um, mm-hmm. they're like bugs. Um, 
which is cool. And then like the trade federation, you see like the trade federation meeting and like all of the trade federation people are just like weirdos. Like the, the, the robot guy that like, like says a sentence in the middle of the sentence is just like a dial up modem. Um, (laughs) it's, it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, even like Zam at the very beginning, I, I literally stopped everything after seeing Zam again and went to the like 501st costuming like thing to be like, huh, can I make a Zam costume? And then I went, nope. (laughs) It sounds, closed it back out again. There's, I feel like there's a lot of makeup involved there. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, (laughs) I feel like Zam is, and not to like belittle anything, but like, I feel like it's the closest, uh, Star Wars comes to like trans representation. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I like Sam a lot. She's no, she's a cool character. I I think she's great, and she's like one of those characters that I I look at and go, that is a one of those kinds of characters like Boba Fett that I look at and I kind of go, I wish I knew more about her. I want to Definitely. know how you know. Yeah, I want to know how things got her here. Um, and I remember like hearing like she's a shapeshifter and being like wait that can happen in star wars <laughs> that's a you know thing? <laughs> it's weird that like star wars is this universe where like you know there's the force and there's lightsabers and there's like monk wizard knights um and i'm still surprised that there are like bug creatures and there are like shapeshifters like shapeshifting is like a cliche in any sci-fi world mm-hmm. but like hey it happens and i didn't expect that to happen and it's cool yeah it's good stuff. Ah, you're you're starting to make me come back around on this movie. Okay, well, I, I can I can get you back to your original position. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, remember when uh, Anakin kills all of the um, sand people? Oh yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's um, uh, tough stuff. And then he has he has the scene. I mean, I I think that you know again on paper and George Lucas's vision for this is like mm-hmm. that's the beginning of him being Darth Vader. Yeah. Right. He gives into his anger. Um, and you know, and that, that scene where he's telling Padme what he did is like, you know, very much foreshadowing, you know, killing the younglings in, in Mm -hmm. Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but it, so it's cool, but it also is like just horribly acted, um, and horribly written as well. Yeah. It was like this time around, there was something about like how that scene was written and performed that made me realize that the uh, level of violence that was being done to Shmi there uh, went a lot deeper than I had realized it has as, yeah. had as a child. And Just I went, the, uh-uh, yeah. hold up. It's, it's rough. Because the way she, like, it, it is at least implied that there was, like, sexual violence done exactly. to her. Exactly, yeah. Um, which is is horrifying. But, you know, it's it's implied lightly enough that like second grade mark was like were they mean to her yeah Um, no i mean absolutely but as an adult i was immediately like oh this is viscerally upsetting in star wars i yeah this should not be happening i mean yes by all means violence like the beating and stuff like that but because she is a slave that already implies to us kind of what they're taking her for and it's just like, oh man, it's a. Mm, it was really so upsetting this time. I was yeah. just like, this sucks. And then I mean, he you know kills all of them, and to an extent, you understand that action, but it's badly performed, badly directed. I tr- I try because with Hayden Christensen, 
I try to remember that, honestly, right before this, he had been, like, award-nominated for some yeah. stuff. Yeah, Which means he was failed more by Lucas than it was that he failed, you know? Like, Definitely. And I, I think that, you know, dialogue is a huge issue here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Directing is another issue. I mean, it's just... It's just not great. There's, there's no way to, to to beat around the bush here. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think that there is a lot of stuff. You know, when he's talking to Obi Wan, you can kind of see their their rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of of good stuff that he does. Um, it's just the minority of of what he does. Yeah, I mean, it's whenever the characters like actually are. <laughs> actors who actually have chemistry in the background yeah. too because like <laughs> you know ewan and uh and hayden from what i've heard were pretty darn close by the time these movies were over you know yeah um and you can tell the difference um than when i mean i'm sure him and natalie were probably pretty close too but those scenes are just so plastic and wooden they're so to rough get through <laughs> like yeah oof um, um and not to be the person who quotes her own letterboxed review, but the first thing I pointed out about all the scenes with them was, like, the scene where she's eating one pear with a fork and knife. <laughs> yes. Right after, literally right after Anakin was like, fascism might be okay, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what is happening? She is a, like, democratic politician. What's happening here? It's she like- should have been like, we need a break five minutes ago. Like, this is... It's truly uh-huh. like uh, a a symbol of like what women go through and what they like put up with. Like, cause she, <laughs> he's like, but like, he's like, but like, dictators are good, and she's just like, smile and nod. Let's just <laughs> let's just not get into this right now. Um, it's like when someone brings up the Last Jedi um, to you or I, and we're just like, uh huh, uh-huh. uh huh. Yep. What did you think about the originals? Yeah, <laughs> like just trying to get away from it. You want a pair. Um, should should be the best way to get out of the last Jedi conversation. <laughs> um, uh. But so I, uh, in that piece that I wrote for um, Talk Film Society, mm-hmm. probably two years ago, it was in the lead up to Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I the the crux of it was that I had decided to watch these movies in the strangest order, which was one two, or sorry sorry four one five two six three you know like basically like pairing the the first of the trilogies and the second of the the trilogies and when you do that you start to see some interesting parallels um so and i think that and it holds up in the in the sequel trilogy for a large degree um but the 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 second movie in these trilogies it always seems to be about our our hero who in this case is anakin like having visions and being tempted to the dark side um whether that's by you know training in the in the forest of Dagobah, or you know going down to the that weird dark side hole that Ray finds, mm-hmm. or like you know having visions and and going to Tatooine, um, uh, and and then you know because they're there, ending up you know they've split up from the rest of the group and then the rest of the group gets in trouble and they can't really get back to save them in time. Um, what other parallels i mean i I love that i'm interviewing you here um (laughs) but i I think that there are interesting parallels between this and the last jedi and uh uh, return of the no empire strikes back i always get the names of those mixed Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. no i mean you're definitely right um it's just (laughs) it's just funny because yeah it's all those parallels that make all those movies interesting (laughs) 
but just done poorly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the whole like ending sequence, which we haven't even like really gotten to. I say ending mm-hmm. sequence, and I guess I really mean third act. Because yeah. honestly, this thing starts to feel like it's ending, and then it just keeps ending <laughs> a lot. Um, but like the rescue stuff is like, you know, th- them getting put in the little. Oh, what's what is the word I'm looking for? Like arena. Yeah, like um, like a gladiatorial thing. Which I think that, you know, as much as I don't love the fight scene at the end, I think that mm-hmm. that them fighting against the monsters is so cool. I, I love yeah. that. And the no, design of all fun. of those monsters is great. Yeah, the design is great. I really whenever I was a kid, I was really genuinely like afraid but in like the way that you're absolutely fascinated with it by the thing that attacks padme like i was just like that thing is so cool because it's just close enough that you know it's a cat thing but yet it's wildly terrifying it's like (laughs) it's like a saber-toothed tiger but like bigger and scarier yeah like um the mouth that's too wide and everything and the claws that are too long yeah, yeah yeah Um, I I was a a big fan of the way that it rips her shirt uh, (laughs) when I was a a, a kid and then also still to to today. (laughs) I love that that's such a blatant, like, we have to have a, like, sexy slave lay almost, like, thing. Um, Which is a little bit of a bummer, but at the same time, it's fine. Like, Natalie Portman looks good in this movie. Let her show it off. It's fine. (laughs) Um, I, I think, you know, the... The other thing we've completely skipped over – there's a lot of things we've skipped over. But one of them is is the droid factory fight. Oh, um, gosh. Yeah. Which is, is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I remember liking it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, people will make fun of the fact that R2-D2 flies. But, like, hey, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, it just sucks that it never happened before or after. <laughs> um, and everyone – actually, you know what? He does kind of fly in Revenge of the Sith. Um, yeah. But I think that's about I feel it. like there's a spot in the sequel trilogy where he does it, but I can't remember. Um, I don't know. I'm not bothered at all by like R2 flying in that sequence as much as I'm bothered by all the C3PO nonsense that goes on in that sequence. Yeah. <laughs> also, can we talk about C3PO in his like silver plate or just like steel plate outfit? Um, yeah. C3PO goes through some costume changes in this in this trilogy. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, it takes too long for him to get to his like normal gold plate itself. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do kind of enjoy naked C-3PO from Phantom Menace. I do too. <laughs> He's kind of fun. Um, He's kind of fun. And he also has like a minute of screen time in that movie. So yeah, even though it makes no sense, like that, that detail that got sprinkled into Phantom Menace, which me and Marcelo didn't even hit on, but of like C-3PO being Anakin's like pet project literally makes no sense from actually, how he's established in like four and five. I mean, yeah, yeah, because you know they, they make him seem like he's like a normal model of droid. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you know a a analog droid is by analog I mean like a similar type of droid. I mm-hmm. re- realized that analog droid could be like a type of droid. Um, <laughs> but like a similar droid is early is like also in Phantom Menace and like the early scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, what's her name? Uh, Griffin Newman's wife. Um, <laughs> TZ14. Uh, TZ14, thank you. <laughs> um, but, so it's weird, like, it, in my imagination, he, like, bought a make-your-own-droid kit, um, that was, like, Legos, but with wires, and he just never finished them. Um, but I, you know, I kind of do like the fact that, like, he's clearly, like, a, a, a gifted and smart kid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's how it makes sense to me. But, um, but yeah, one of the things that we also haven't hit on yet, but I definitely hit on with Marcelo, was like, whenever you rewatch these as an adult, or at least whenever I do, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that always strikes me is every time Yoda says any bullshit, <laughs> just how unhealthy and awful the Jedi Order is. <laughs> like, it's genuinely oh, yeah. so upsetting. Um, because like, it's, it's tough to rewatch these movies. Cause like, uh, you know, I've been, I've been working on my mental health <laughs> this last year uh-huh. and like, you just watch like Yoda, who's supposed to be this like hero that you love kind of just like gaslight and mess with like Anakin in like these brutal emotional ways. It's just like, yeah. <sighs> also like <laughs> the, the naivety of the Jedi is insane. Like yeah, the, the scene yeah. where Obi Wan is like, "There should be a planet here, but there isn't," yeah. and Obi and Yoda's like, "That's weird." And a, a literal child is like, "Did someone delete it?" And Yoda was like, <laughs> "Oh, interesting. <laughs> I didn't think about deleting." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, it's the easiest. Like, you just hit that backspace or whatever that is <laughs> yeah. in in for Jedi's." But it's he's like, "Well, the only person that could do that is a Jedi." And yeah. a Jedi wouldn't do that. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. And like the same kind of like naivety also happens with like Obi-Wan. <laughs> and he's like talking to Dooku and Dooku's like, here's the whole plan. <laughs> and Obi-Wan's like, I don't believe you. <laughs> well, to to some extent. So I like I have worked very hard to figure out what this what happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's this whole thing about Sifo Diaz and Tyrannus, yeah, and they never really explain anything. Mm-hmm. Um, even even Dooku's like Dooku explaining things to Obi Wan, he's still covering up the truth a little bit. Yeah. Um. So because like you know Obi Wan goes to Kamino and the Kaminoans are like, oh, you're finally here. Sifo Diaz ordered these things ten years ago, and now they're ready. And Obi Wan is like. That is why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Sure. Um, but like, and then he talks to um, Django, and Django's like, "Who's Sifo-Dyas? No, Tyrannus hired me. That's why I'm here." Um, which is setting up a great mystery because now you're like, okay, now there's like kind of, kind of who ordered this? Was it Tyrannus or was it Sifo-Dyas? Right? Mm-hmm. And um, who are either of them anyway? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and also like, who, who are these people? Um, and it's never really fully answered. The best I can put it together is that Count Dooku. Oh, and my other question is: How long from does this take after uh, Phantom Menace? I don't know off the top of my head. Because because it, so in my head, right after Darth Maul dies, Palpatine like corrupts Dooku, who was a Jedi at the time, and and Dooku, um, like I don't know, deletes the Kaminoan planet. Goes to Kamino and says, hey, my name's Sifo Diaz. Give me some clones, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dooku, whose name is like at some point later revealed to be Darth Tyrannus. Yeah. Um, hires Jango Fett to be the, the clone. Um, and then Dooku is then uh, his like what happens. What Dooku's plot is in the rest of this movie is that he is now like the president of the Trade Federation. Mm hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he does all that Trade Federation stuff that is, you know, convincing people to leave and building droids and all of that. Yeah. 
but it's never revealed until literally the last shot of this movie or like the second to last shot of this movie that he's working with Palpatine. Yeah. Like, I like, mean, yeah, yeah. You I mean, guessed at some point. <laughs> you can kind of assume, but like when, uh, when it, when Dooku is talking to Obi-Wan, he's not like, yeah, us Sith are going to take over. He's like, no, like I, I just like the trade federation and, and Palpatine is doing bad stuff. He actually, well, he actually says that there is a Sith yeah, in the and Senate. the Sith is taking over the Senate, which is all true. Mm-hmm. But what he doesn't say is I like the Sith and I'm on his team and I'm kind of using, he's, he's using the trade federation as a, as a, as a ploy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just really like it's it's such it's so interesting what Palpatine is doing here. I think like Palpatine is is truly an evil genius who has such a interesting uh scheme here. Um and it not to again step on Cody's toes, but the fact that like Palpatine in retur- uh, return of the Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker. return revenge rise eh. too many Rs. Um he's just like uh yeah, I'm evil and you should be evil too. Um uh, like, he just sounds like he's flying by the seat of his pants the whole time yeah. with the and plan. He's, he's like when uh. in reality he's flying by the shoulders of his jacket. Um <laughs> and whatever that thing is picking up picking him up with. Yeah. Um You mean but, the animus from Assassin's Creed? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um It's just he has such an interesting plan of like, you know, use this um this create a civil war to give himself more power and, you know, mm-hmm. use his, his apprentice to like help the trade federation while he's kind of pulling, playing both sides. Um, it's so interesting. And then, uh, you know, in the next one, he, he then like, you know, shuts down the trade federation and, you know, commands someone to kill his own Padawan or whatever. It's so interesting. Um, but it's never fully explained. You got to really big brain your way into figuring out what's going on. Um, or at least maybe I'm just dumb, but I felt like it took me a long time to figure out what was going on here. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I guess I don't know how to, how to put what I'm thinking, but like kind of almost where I would say the framework that we are talking about being really good does fall apart just a little is in that whole, like, what is going on here? You know, it like the thing that really baffles me, because I agree with your whole, obviously, he came and his Sith name is Darth Tyrannus. Mm-hmm. And he came and said, I'm Cypher Diaz and I want these things. Uh, please and thank you. You know, like, uh, yeah. you know, all of that makes perfect sense. Except that I'm just also like, well, uh, where's the name Count Duke come from? Also, so, and like, there's I, other stuff too. Like, I find it baffling that the Jedi say that he used to be a Jedi and we just basically let him go. <laughs> like, like it's weird to me that being Jedi, being a Jedi is something you can just be like, actually, I'm out. Deuces. Yeah. And not have them keep tabs on you to make sure you don't go dark side now you, that you know the force. You, you can just quit and no one will, like, follow you. And Yeah. And yeah it's, it's weird. Wild. Um, I <laughs> I think to answer your question about why he's Count Dooku, it, and again, I'm remembering from reading the like the visual dictionary like 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but I think that like he just is like royalty on his home planet. Like you know, he, he is just like <laughs> by blood a count. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he so became a Jedi, like, like we, Jedi name, and then, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like if Prince Philip was a doctor, they would still call him Prince Philip. 
yeah. who is a doctor. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, just because you're a Jedi doesn't make you like, okay, you're not a count anymore. You're just a Jedi. Um, so he was like, you know, Jedi Master Count Dooku, whatever his last name is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's cool that he's a count, but also like kind of weird. Mean- I'll just be honest. He's basically mainly probably named Count just because he's Christopher Lee. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you gotta. I mean, and Christopher Lee is one of the, should be mentioned as one of the best parts of this movie. Cause yeah. Because he's nailing it. He's awesome. He's, he's the best. I mean, we love him. Who who doesn't love Christopher Lee's performance in, oh, anything? Literally anything. Yeah. Um, He's always on point and knows exactly what the tone of his character needs to be, even in this very you know, kind of out there movie. And like in a similar vein, Ewan McGregor, I would say is still is doing that too. Cause he's like, he is the main person in the cast who's had uh, experience with the all CGI sets and everything. And he's yeah. starting to get it while everybody else is like, what's happening. And I, I, I think what he's doing in this movie, cause in the last movie, you know, he was kind of like the, not the main character, yeah. Although, who is the main character of Phantom Menace? I have this discussion all the time. Who's the main character of Phantom Menace? That's a good question. I don't know. It's it's, it's, a, it's an ensemble cast. It's not a main character movie. But, like, every other Star Wars movie has a main character. And it's, oh, like, yeah. it's it's either Luke or Rey or Anakin. Mm-hmm. But Anakin isn't introduced until an hour into Phantom Menace, and he's eight. Um, but also Qui-Gon isn't, I I mean, Qui-Gon is probably the best candidate for main character. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is kind of sidelined for a lot of the movie. Um, but in this movie, you know, he really is like a major character. He has a lot of scenes where he's like, you know, the, the main guy in the scene Mm -hmm. and he does great. And you can see him kind of starting to, you know, really pick up on the impression he's doing while also kind of, you know, putting his own twist on it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that Anakin is, or Obi-Wan is a really interesting character because mm-hmm. if you think about it, you know, he never, he didn't want Anakin, right? Yeah. On, on, on Tatooine in the first movie, he's like, no, fuck this kid, leave him behind <laughs> and we need to go back to Naboo. Um, and then he was like, okay, fine, Qui-Gon, you can have the kid. I will, you know, I've graduated. You can have this guy as your Padawan. Um, and then Qui-Gon dies. So now he's like, you know, he's basically forced to adopt Anakin as his Padawan. Yeah. Um, like as a favor. So he's basically like, you know, Anakin clearly has daddy issues. Um, and Obi-Wan, he says in this movie, Obi-Wan is the closest, is the closest thing I have to a father. Yeah. Um, and Obi-Wan like doesn't want him. Uh, <laughs> so like, you know, you can see why Anakin was so quick to go to Palpatine. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Obi-Wan, his father is so harsh on him and like shouting at him about losing his lightsaber all the time and, you know, being mad that he's so emotional and, and falling in love. Mm-hmm. Um, Obi-Wan's kind of a bad dad. Um, and so Anakin's like, well, I'm going to take this good dad who's actually the worst dad ever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really interesting. That is really interesting, and it's a that's honestly a very different perspective than I've heard on Obi Wan in a long time, and it's it's very it's a very interesting perspective on him because you're right, <laughs> like he's kind of an angry an angry grumpy dad who's always just like making Anakin kind of feel like he's doing something wrong. Yeah, um, which is is partially his fault. Is also partially just the for- fault of the Jedi teachings. And, and also the, the fault of Anakin thing. doing things wrong. Well, there's that too, <laughs> of course. 
Anakin isn't necessarily a good Jedi. <laughs> no. No, I would not say so. Uh, a lot of the stuff that he does in this in this movie, <laughs> especially, are not exactly responsible. <laughs> no. Um, especially in the first act as he's flying that speeder around. Yes. I, one of my favorite things is when he just jumps out of the speeder. <laughs> In the, like, he just, like, parks the speeder in midair in the middle of the street, like, in the middle of an intersection, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to read the traffic laws of Coruscant. I'm so curious. Seriously. <laughs> um, but then he just jumps out. Like, like Obi-Wan is in the middle of chastising him. Uh, and then he's like, deuces, and just jumps out. And it's so great. Um, <laughs> man, I love, I could watch that chase all day. Oh, and I think Obi-Wan's line is literally like, I hate it when he does that. And you're going, literally, wait, yeah. this is a routine? This is every day for you right now with this I'll, kid? Oh, my God. I also love Obi-Wan's motif of like, I hate flying um, <laughs> is, is just so great. He says that he says that multiple times in this movie uh, and then more times in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, and it's then, a good character detail to just throw in for some flavor, you yeah. know? Um, it's It's great. It's one of the one of the few things that I like a lot in Rise of Skywalker is when just for some flavor on a character they throw in the fact that Poe Dameron is afraid of bones. <laughs> like what a good just kind of similar just like I hate this one specific thing. Wait, and that uh, when was this revealed? <laughs> Oh, that was whenever they like fell through the like sand. Oh, I guess oh spoilers, yeah. everybody. And and they go down there, and there's the skeleton of whatever that Jedi hunter was that they always <laughs> yeah. talked about. Yeah, and he's just like, I hate that. <laughs> like, and that's really funny to me. I feel like you know the best thing you can do to build a character is give them one thing that they hate, like snakes <laughs> for Indiana Jones or flying for Obi Wan. Um, it's just so great, you know, oh, I, I hate snakes or I hate flying. Um, I hate it's great. bones very specifically. <laughs> yeah. It's just bones. <laughs> it's I hate just them. bones. And, and that was really funny to me because, I mean, honestly, and I mean, we could get into this can of worms and I won't go there, but that was one of the details that kind of made me go, I don't know if the writers of this movie know what they're doing, because I, I read the whole Poe Dameron comic series, and I'm pretty yeah. sure he ended up next to some skeletons and didn't say anything about that. Well, <laughs> maybe know? that maybe that fear developed in between that time. You never maybe, know. Maybe. We just don't know. Maybe we'll get that detail eventually. Um, but anyway, um, oh boy, what else about this movie? What other notes you've got in your, um, your giant list of notes? I have a lot of notes about the Slave 1. Um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, this movie just has all of the coolest ships. Um, yeah. there, there's the Slave One, there's, like, the Naboo Royal Cruisers, mm -hmm. there's Obi-Wan's, like, little personal ship, that's awesome. I love that ship so much. I, I love the idea of, like, he has this little one-person ship, but he also has, like, a ring that gets yes. him in hyperspeed. Yes, I love that. And then that. he just, like, leaves that ring in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> just lets space. it orbit as he goes to the planet. <laughs> I assume he has, like, a tracker, but, like, if you think about it, he, like, you know, used that that thing to get to Coruscant and then left it outside of Coruscant and then followed the slave one to Geonosis. Mm -hmm. So at the end of this movie, he's getting on like the, the clone, like whatever thing the clones use to get there. He like, I assume that he takes that back to Coruscant and like his, his ring is just hanging out around Coruscant, like around, <laughs> um, G or not even Geonosis. It's on Camino. No, Camino. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he's got to go get that at some point. 
he's got to pick up the pieces of his ship across the universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine him like being in the hangar, like, all right, time to go to, you know, wherever I'm going next. Where's my, yeah. oh, I got to go all the way to Camino. Damn it. Um, yeah. It's, it's entertaining. And then also, you know, the slave one, speaking mm-hmm. of, um, Things that that tie back to the original trilogy and even directly to uh, Empire is there's a there's a chase through um, an asteroid field, yeah, which is great and, and you know and then they get out of it by like landing on an asteroid and faking uh, an explosion, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I I love that asteroid chase, um, and and fun. Boba Fett just like cheering his dad on from from the, from the back like shoot him, kill him. Uh, it's so great. I love the effect of the bombs that uh, yes. Django drops in that scene. They're mm-hmm. really cool. Um, I remember, you know what? It's such a good like use of silence in a similar way to The Last Jedi, actually. Yeah. You know, like really good uses of just cutting from chaos to dead silence. Yeah. Um, and then that silence turning into a huge explosion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's I great. didn't even think about what a cool what a cool parallel to have um, between movies and such a little detail. Too. Yeah, um, I I s- tried to think of a an asteroid chase in the sequel trilogy, and the closest I could get was um, hyperspeed skipping or whatever they do in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, um, and man, that thing sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. It's it that that scene is just so wild to me for so many reasons but everything that we know about how hyperspace works which is not much kind of which is not tons but i mean like in the star wars universe there's things like hyperspace like lanes and like there are paths that you're supposed to take so the idea of him like like it was pretty groundbreaking in force awakens whenever like han just like jumped straight out of a like you know hangar bay, yeah. Much and less then also also this. like <laughs> he uh, like yeah. And Force Awakens he also like um, ends the hyperspace jump within the shield of the Star Killer base, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, super cool. Han Solo, a good pilot. Love ah, him. the best. We love R.I.P. Him. We stand S- a legend. Uh, spoilers, I guess. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Oh, and I was going to say, you know, I think that there are a couple moments of Mm -hmm. chemistry that Padme and Anakin actually have. Um, One of those is when they're in the field and Anakin is, like, riding that weird tick monster. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then he, like, falls off and and Padme is, like, genuinely, like, uh, scared for him. Yeah. I think that's a really sweet scene. Um, uh, Honestly, the other stuff in the field, too, is kind of what feels the most, like, genuine. It kind Definitely. of feels like maybe Lucas was like, just kind of have some fun with this. And it actually worked, you know? Like, and it also feels like they were in a real-ass field. Yeah. That's and it was itchy. Like, I look at that and I'm like, There's, there should be bugs all over them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess no bugs on Tatooine or, or Naboo. Naboo, or the, yeah. Maybe all of the bugs are giant like the ticks are. Yeah. That, that um, makes sense. <laughs> but the other the other moment of, of chemistry that I like is the kiss that they share before going into the gladiator battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great shot. Uh, it, I mean, when they kiss, I'm like, I, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but it's sweet, I guess. Yeah. No, and it's a nice shot. You know, the yeah. establishing of like the like facing certain death and establishing, you know, 
that you love each other, you know, yeah. that this, that this doomed couple loves each other and they have pa- to show it. It's Padme saying, like, I know that, like, in, in our lives we can't be with each other, but we can be with each other at death. Mm-hmm. And then they live, I mean, yeah. and then she's like, "Well, I guess we got to stick with this." I guess, I guess we might as well be committed yeah. at this point. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of the like Romeo and Juliet almost like kind yeah. of thing, you know. But then it's like, yeah, what if Romeo and Juliet <laughs> lived through it? But both of them lived through it, and then just went, "Oh God, I guess we need to get married." <laughs> yeah, it's like if they woke up the now. next morning from the poison, and we're like, "Ah, well." Oh, in for a penny, in for a pound. We're, we, yeah, exactly. Um, or like if Rise of Skywalker had ended with like both of them alive. Just going, yeah. Oh, so what is this now? What, what are we here? What's happening? We're a duad. So is this incest? I, <laughs> yeah, what's happening? I'm not sure how that works or how duads work uh, in general. They yeah. didn't explain this to me in duad school. Um, dyad, sorry. <laughs> dyad, um, yeah. The uh, the last thing I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, at the time of us recording this, as as far as I know, I haven't checked my podcast app in a while. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back is the last episode that dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I have confirmed that. Um, <laughs> and you and you and Marcelo had talked about um, how how no one ever just like throws stuff at each other in a lightsaber fight. Um, oh, me! It was me and Dave. But yes. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. The you, force you, doesn't you get Dave. used in fights. Um, yeah. Dooku uses the force all the time. Yeah, um, that's like nice. like he, uh, you know, he drops stuff on Obi Wan in this fight. He he drops stuff on on Yoda. Uh, he drops another thing on uh, Obi Wan in in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cool. I like I like Dooku's fight. I was telling I I work with with kids in my day job, um, as you can tell from how much I've cussed during this episode. Um, <laughs> and we were talking. One of someone told me that they got uh, Darth Maul's lightsaber, and I was like, that is the best lightsaber. I think top three lightsabers are uh, Darth Maul's lightsaber, Kylo Ren's lightsaber, and Count Dooku's lightsaber with the curved hilt is mm-hmm. super underrated, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's a it's a cool lightsaber. Isn't it funny how all the best lightsabers are the bad guys? Yeah, <laughs> and um, I mean Mace Windu has a cool lightsaber, but like it's just because it's purple. It's just I don't, I, it's I don't know what guy. the hilt of that thing looks like. It's like gold and silver. It's got some gold in it. It's honestly a cool looking hilt, yeah. but like it doesn't stand out the way those other ones do. Yeah. Because um, I mean, obviously, the curve of Dooku's is so polished and nice. It's, Kylo it's, Ren's looks like a five year old made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Maul's is just like the, I don't know, that's just like the pinnacle of what a good it's old awesome. lightsaber looks like. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I, I remember when I was a, when I was a kid, and like you know, they, of course they sold Dooku's lightsabers, and I would like pick one up to play with it, and be like, "Wait, how do you use this?" Because <laughs> yeah. um, you have to hold it in like a very different way from the other lightsabers. But it's it's just the way that Dooku has like his own unique fighting style, yeah, um, which is really cool. I, I think that you know the, the lightsaber fight in this movie is pretty cool. Um, not so much when Yoda is you know CGI jumping around, yeah. Um, that's but frustrating. Like, and then the part where Anakin and him are fighting and it's literally just shots of their faces with flashes of color. Yes. I was like, yeah. this is rough. This but is when, not good. At one point, Anakin gets Obi-Wan's lightsaber, um, mm-hmm. and like kind of dual wields and it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then yeah. the rest of their fight is like Anakin turns off the lights, uh, mm-hmm. and then they stare at each other. It's very weird. Um, <laughs> and then he gets his ass kicked and his hand cut off. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to chop off a limb 
That was that is something I'm very disappointed in the sequel trilogy. We did not have any limbs get chopped off and uh well well C-3PO well, lost his arm before oh, the Force yeah. Awakens takes place. <laughs> <laughs> oh dang, you got me. <laughs> Don't forget oh, that red arm. Gosh. Yeah, that super story important red arm. <laughs> yeah. Um I believe that that got explained in some comic book or something. I think I read know. the comic book and it was so forgettable. Yeah, I can't even remember. I feel like it might have been in the Poe Dameron series. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Attack of the Clones. There's good stuff here. You know, yeah. I'm going – the day I watched it, I must have been in a bad mood because I gave it a real low rating well, on Letterboxd. Well, you know, it's also – I mean, your take was not a hot take. You know, it, <laughs> it, this is usually viewed as the worst of the trilogy, but yeah. I think it has some of the highest highs. Um, that's, which is that's what everyone true. will say about their their favorite prequel movie. Um, yeah. But I think that the Obi-Wan storyline is so awesome. And mm-hmm. it's like it is the most like uh, – I mean it's noir, but like nothing really goes into like a, a real genre um, yeah. uh, storyline like this mm-hmm. does. Um, everything else is pretty like, you know, hero's journey kind of thing. Yeah. Um, a big fan, and you know, and of course, Zam and the the, the speeder chase in the skies of Coruscant is awesome, and you know, Dooku. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff in this movie. Just like, honestly, I want to make a fan edit where you just take Anakin out of this movie. <laughs> like, because honestly, it's probably pretty entertaining. <laughs> like, you can you can delete everything that happens in Naboo and Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And, like, sure, it's plot-relevant um, and important to, like, Anakin's character development. But, like, I know what his character development is. He's going to be Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, just just cut that stuff out and give me Anakin, or give me Obi-Wan's plot line, and then Anakin shows up again, and they have the gladiator fight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's all I want. Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds – it honestly sounds like a pretty solid, much shorter yeah. movie, you know? like Topher Grace, call me. We can do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man no i that's actually a really kind of good point which is a bummer of course because like you said like you pointed out he's the Dar- this is all about him becoming darth vader and like his storyline in this one <laughs> is the weakest part of the movie um and i guess that's why it feels so bad sometimes whenever you watch it because if you're focused in on the anakin storyline which of course you're supposed to be uh-huh it feels so bad. It it's, just feels awful. It's rough. Um, yeah. my, my suggestion is every time it cuts to Anakin, like look at Twitter until you hear Obi Wan's voice, <laughs> and then um, oh, okay, and then and then put it back down, uh, and, <laughs> and then and, pay and attention the to all the great the things. Movie. Yeah, all the great things you and her is doing up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at uh, those tall neck Kaminoans. They're awesome. Ah, yeah, they are. Ah. Camino. Oh, I love that place so much. I really so like great. the fight scene in there too. The like on the rain on the platform yeah, scene. It's it's awesome. It's um, fun. It, I feel like we never really see Boba Fett. I guess we see him fight a little bit in uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Jango's fighting is so cool. Um, yeah. and the way he uses like all of his tools, like the jetpack and the um the grappling hook. Um. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that the slave one lands on its back. So when mm-hmm. Boba has to get in it to shoot the missiles out, he has to like literally like climb up <laughs> yeah. and like 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 sit sideways on the seat so he can see out the front window. It's funny to me. I think Boba's a, a you know a cute little kid. He's fun. 
<laughs> no, I, I really, the slave, I think the slave one was one of the first like really big Lego sets I bought when yeah. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember picking it up and just being like, this is so non-functional. I love it. <laughs> you know, it's like, so great. It's so silly. My favorite thing about Star Wars is that they pretty early on, um, the the ship designers realized that these things don't have to be aerodynamic. They can look like whatever we want them to. Yeah. Um, And they just kind of keep with that. It's great. Yeah. Except for the the Naboo cruisers are like the most aerodynamic thing. (laughs) Um, But it's just because like they're just so sleek. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just love those little yellow. I feel like I have like a like a figurine of it. Um, as a kid, um, I don't, I have no idea what happened to it. I probably got smashed by like a dog or something. Um, but it was like, just like that, the yellow starfighter from Naboo is so mm-hmm. cool. I love it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and the vehicle designs in this one are great. I used to have the, the, um, Obi-Wan's fighter also in like Lego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's still in my parents' house, like up with all of our other Star Wars Legos in our like movie room at home. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, this one, yeah, no, it still has a lot of really special Star Wars magic in it, um, even though there are a lot of downer things that pull yeah. away from There's There's a lot of bad things with this movie, and I will, I will be the first person to admit that. Um, yeah. But you have to admit that there's a lot of cool shit in this movie, and you can't ignore that. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's fun. I'm I'm fully I'm fully uh, reconverted from how right. uh, grumpy I was at, uh, coming into this episode. <laughs> I've, I've done it. <laughs> You've done it. You accomplished your goal, which is why I wanted you on the episode because yeah. I knew you would. So I mean, because I can talk about how good, like, in like you know, I can talk about how good a new hope is because literally anybody could talk about how good the new hope is. Not that yeah. Marcelo Marcelo did a great job, or that wasn't Marcelo. I've already forgotten who your guests are, um, but uh, I, I feel like it takes a, a real expert to be able to um, d- defend this movie properly. Yeah, it was uh, Eli, by the way. Eli. Uh, oh, right, my my no, oldest friend, Eli. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable because Marcelo was episode zero, so you know it. Yeah, got jumbled up, and I get yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know this movie. Star Wars rules, you know, and even even the bad Star Wars kinds of kind of rules, um, yeah. which is where I'm sure both this episode and Rise of Skywalker will end up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, like even the worst Star Wars movie is a Star Wars movie. Yeah, so it can't be bad. Yeah, you get a certain amount of enjoyment, a yeah. certain amount of like, you know, reward from every single one. Because you just love living in the world. And this yeah. one definitely has a lot of rich world detail to I, it. I think that this might – I mean, other than – I mean, The Phantom Menace clearly has a lot of world building because it's like, you know, here is what a Jedi temple looks like. Here is a droid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like this this does a lot of like, you know, tertiary world building of like, oh, yeah, also there's shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. And here's like what the floor of – like Coruscant has a bottom floor, believe it or not, <laughs> and it's like you know the, the scum and villainy, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, you know, Camino is awesome, and clones and bugs, and I love it. It's so great. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Movie with me. Um, do you have anything you want to plug for everybody listening at home? Um. Uh, I'll plug uh, my my Twitter and Letterboxd is at Wallington Mark. 
That's uh, I won't spell it for you. Just look at the episode description. And Watlington <laughs> is spelled there, and then my name is Mark, and it's spelled the normal way with a K, not a C. Get out of here with a C, uh, <laughs> unless you're Marcelo and it's a soft C. You can be forgiven. Um, I, I should also plug uh, Best Pictures, my podcast. Cody has yelled at me multiple times for not plugging my own podcast <laughs> on Talk From Society episodes. Uh, we talk about uh, me and Cody and Chad, all of whom will be guests on this podcast. Uh, I think both of them in the sequel trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. we, we go through each year of our lives from 1993 through the present, uh, and each of us pick our favorite movie of each year. Then we also talk about the Best Picture winner, and we also talk about... Um, we just pick like a, another movie for a while. We did the Razzie winner and then we wanted to die after watching <laughs> the postman. Um, and so we, we don't do that anymore. We just pick another movie. Um, most recently we just finished 2003. Uh, you can, I, I literally yesterday I recorded an episode on return of the King, um, a movie that I think is overrated and that I think it is like four stars instead of five. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to hear the 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 grumpiest Lord of the Rings uh, grump, <laughs> uh, go listen to that episode. And also, okay. we we have also covered covered the other Lord of the Rings movies. So if you want to hear the yes. full story of my opinions, uh, do your best. I'm sorry. <laughs> For me, uh, you can always find me at Callie Smith ninety two on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, and I think Letterboxd. And, of course, I have uh, everything that I write will be on TFS. Uh, I should have a big old thesis, basically, on uh, Kylo Ren coming out soon. Ooh, uh, that sounds fun. Still working on it. Yeah. Uh, as anybody who listened to Episode Zero will know, I am very emotionally invested in Kylo Ren. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, other than that... Thanks again for being on the show. Oh, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) And everybody else at home, may the force be with you.